And now, Greenlight Reviews, hosted by Ann Elder and Les Roberts. Hi, everybody, and welcome once again to Greenlight Reviews. I'm Les Roberts. I'm Ann Elder. Today, Ann, we're mm-hmm. going to talk about a film hereafter. Well, you mean right now? Right now, we're going to talk about okay. hereafter, because that's the name of the movie. It's called Hereafter, mm-hmm. one word. It is directed by Clint Eastwood. And before I go any further, I've got to tell you that Clint Eastwood is one of my favorite directors of all time. I know. You've always been a huge fan of his. Absolutely. I am too. And because of that, I'm a little disappointed with Hereafter. I think we'll both go into that. Sure. It was written by Peter Morgan, who wrote the wonderful script for The Queen a couple of years ago. I'm a huge fan of Peter Morgan. I think he's so talented, such an original mind. Absolutely. And it stars, among other people, Matt Damon. Mm-hmm. Matt Damon plays a character named George Lunigan. He lives in New York, and he has a special connection with the afterlife in the sense that he is able to contact mm-hmm. those who have passed away. Right. And he believes that this is not a gift, it's a curse. Mm-hmm. His brother, Billy, played by Jay Moore, wants him to make this a business, and he feels that they could both make a lot of money from this. But George is only one of the people involved in this story, or the three stories, I should say. Yes. Mm -hmm. There is another character named Marie Lillet. She is French, and she is played by Cécile de France, an actress I had never seen before. She has an interesting experience within the first couple of minutes, Mm -hmm. because Eastwood, for the first time, really gets into the sea CGI magic. Exactly. And he shows us a tsunami, mm-hmm. a tidal wave, which basically wipes out the island on which the character of Marie is vacationing with her lover. And she spends a few minutes being dead. And then she is somehow brought back to life, and that's kind of a miracle. But she is now wondering yes. about her near death experience. Correct. As I think we all would. Well, sure. And then there's that third story, which involves the young boy. Actually, I like that part of the movie the best. It's a young boy named Marcus who loses his identical twin brother in an accident. Mm -hmm. He is, of course, shattered, and he is trying to work his way through it because he misses his twin brother, Jason, very much. Mm -hmm. These roles are played by a set of identical twins, Frankie and George McLaren. They are British, and their stuff happens in England. And that's really all that the movie is about, except at the very end, Mm -hmm. the three of them come together Yes. And they are trying to understand the truth. Uh That's just about all the plot I can talk about. I think it's a very risky business, this kind of a premise that kind of drags on for a couple of hours. Truly, it's about ordinary people who want fancy answers to why God or nature or your higher power or whatever has wreaked havoc upon their lives. And that's what the message of the movie is. I mean, I think that's what Eastwood is trying to get at. I think in the end, the movie is really more of a romantic pastiche about three very lonely, depressed people who are simply looking for replacements for the love that they have lost. And really, it turns into a movie that is far more in the genre, let's say, of Sleepless in Seattle, with people trying to locate each other. One point, I thought, why don't they call this Sleepless in the Hereafter? (laughs) Because that's really what they were trying to do. And, you know, it's not a terrible movie. In fact, some parts of Hereafter are really enjoyable. 
enjoyable. What I felt about it was like being at a spa and listening to one of those beautiful bubbling fountains that you can listen to for hours. It's very pleasurable, but it drones on and on and on, and there's no real ending to that fountain. It's a never-ending sound, and that's something that I felt in Hereafter. I think Eastwood and Peter Morgan set out to make a picture with some very lofty goals, but I don't think they are so easily achieved. I think you're absolutely right. One of the things that bothered me so much about this film is the fact that if you look at the films that Clint Eastwood has directed, like mm-hmm. Mystic River and mm-hmm. Unforgiven. Even Gran Torino had Gran a Torino. certain very muscular energy. Sure. And there is no energy in this film. It's, it's an just, inert yes. film. You know, I also think films like this that utilize the art of coincidence and I like movies like this that have those kind of magical ways of tying up a lot of loose ends and storylines and so on. But frankly, to go on for two hours and have such slender strands finally knitting together at the very end for about two or three minutes is really not all that satisfying. And to sit there and have to go through the throes of watching these three stories try to interweave is really kind of dull and boring. And I don't feel that the plotting of this film really worked. I do think, too, that when most of the movie, well, all of the movie featuring the French character is done with French subtitles is also a little disconcerting. Yes. I love foreign films, but in an American film, basically, that utilizes French language all the way through and gives you subtitles, again, it's just another confusing element to a film that strives to be so much more than it could possibly accomplish. I think one of the problems with it is that I was confused for quite a while. In fact, I was confused until I went home and thought about this and made notes to do Uh this program. I thought, what exactly is this about? When you say hereafter, I was thinking something like... Sixth Sense, maybe? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, so was I, Wes. Exactly. And because of that, I didn't know where this was going. Well, it takes place in the here and now rather than the hereafter. Exactly. And that means that the title is very misleading. It's like a little bit of false advertising, isn't it? Yes, it is. There's another confusion, too, and that is concerning the character that Matt Damon plays, George. He seems to have given up being a psychic because he says it's more of a curse. We really never find out why it was such a curse to him. He has one encounter with a young lady, nicely played, by the way, by Oprah. Daughter. Bryce Dallas Howard. Right. I liked her in this movie. Ron Howard's daughter. She sure. looked very good and was very competent in her small role. Yes. And by the way, yeah. the scene between her and yes. the character George. Matt Damon plays, George, he tells her what he has seen and felt from her father who was gone. Yeah. Was very shattering to her. And it was kind of shattering to me, too. I thought, whoa, you just say that to somebody that destroys her, and then she disappears. There are too many ideas that are left hanging in this film that are not answered. Exactly. That's frustrating to the audience. And the character of Matt Damon, George, as we said, he's a psychic, the reluctant psychic. Yes. And he finally gets back into the business and so on. But when he gets fed up and shuts down once and for all, he does a crazy thing. He leaves his website open. Well, I mean, if you're out of business, you take your website off. So that was left in there for the plot contrivance so that the little boy over in London searching for his twin brother was able to locate Matt Damon through that website. Well, again, they left it in there for that express purpose. The art of coincidence was not very well done in this movie. It was not. And because of that, 
Anne. And boy, I wanted to like this so much because I have such tremendous respect for Eastwood as a director. But I can't give this a green. I just wasn't that comfortable with it. I am giving it a yellow light. Mm -hmm. And I think the thoughts in here and the themes are kind of interesting. They're just not well paid off. I agree. I think that Eastwood creates some good scenes, especially in the first 30 minutes of this film. And he's got his crack team doing the cinematography, so the film looks really good. It's mounted beautifully. But I thought the film was a little bit too laid back. It was too arbitrary. It was a little bit too lazy-ish to qualify for one of Clint Eastwood's best films. For me, this movie was all backdrop and no foreground. (laughs) Underwritten, underplayed, underwhelming for me hereafter gets a very sullen, morose, inert yellow light. Okay, two yellow lights for hereafter. Wish it would have been better. Me too. Look forward to Clint's next one. How great that anybody his age who has worked so hard all his life is still making decent movies. Absolutely right. Well, we're going to come back to review another film very, very shortly. Until then, I'm Les Roberts. I'm Ann Elder. And Greenlight Reviews hopes that we're all going to get together and have an exciting time at the movies. You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death of a Film Star. Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs.